0: Thank you, Lucy, for uh, reading that passage for us. And today we're on the second of our series of sermons, looking at our uh, sermons series we, we've called "Bear Fruit," looking at the fruit of the spirit. And we called it "Bear Fruit" for what? For one reason, uh, the fruit of the spirit is something that God does in us. He brings out all these characteristics of. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. I think I got them all in there. He does that. But also we have a responsibility as well to, to create the right environment in which these things can actually be expressed in our lives. So it's a partnership. God does something in us and we allow him to do it. And also we nurture it and develop it so that it is evident in our life. And of all those fruits, we want all of them, don't we? We want our character to be like Jesus. And to be like Jesus, we need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., etc. We need all of those things evident in our life. And it's no surprise here that Paul described the fruit of the Spirit, and he starts off with love. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandments, What did he say? He said, love God with everything you've got and then love other people as you love yourself. Love is the greatest commandment to love, to love everyone, to love your neighbour, to love all people and to love God. And even in our reading, Paul talks about how uh, there's a whole description of love right at the end. He says, you know, there is faith and there is hope and there's love but the greatest of these is love. So it's no surprise, it's there at the top of the list. In fact, some commentators would say this, there actually there is only one fruit of the Spirit, not nine. That what Paul is saying, and, and there's no commas or uh, other kind of grammatical things like that punctuation uh, in Paul's writings. It's hard for us to, to translate what he's always saying, but some commentators say that actually what Paul's saying is the fruit of the Spirit is love what love looks like is joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. And it's surprising, really, when you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, as Paul describes love, what does he say? He says love is patient and love is kind, and then everything else he says is almost like a commentary on the fruits of the Spirit. So we could actually read it that way. In a in our series, sorry, uh, we are not treating it like that. We are treating each of them differently so that we can work out how we can allow those things to flourish within us so that we become more Christ-like. So in our passage from 1 Corinthians, uh, that famous passage of 1 Corinthians 13 is used in every wedding and perhaps misused in every wedding because what the passage is really about is about the the kind of the new community that Christ was building up through his church and how they should be a church defined by love. And of course that's the first point I want to make isn't it? That the reason why I starts off with love is that it is love that defines us as the people of God. It is love that shapes us and that When you look at what Paul says in that passage from 1 Corinthians 13, he says basically, look, you can be doctrinally pure, you can be morally perfect, you can be sacrificially generous, you can be supernaturally powerful, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. Now, all of those things are good, but they need to be done in love for them to be actually worthwhile. It is love that defines who we are. It is love that actually makes us most like God. Uh, John, in his first letter, he says this, that anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you can't love other people, then you've actually not even met God. And in that passage, he also says, you know, we love because God first loved us it's in our relationship with the loving God that we discover what real love is and start to express that to other people. It is so important that we understand that it, there's, of all the things in the, in the gospel, all the things in scripture that we are called to do, it is love that's the thing that should shape us the most. See, if we learn how to love people, all the other things start to come easier. The second thing I want to say out of our passage is this, that love is sacrificial. I mean, did you see that list of the things that Paul describes about love? I mean, let me just read some of them to you. He says this, he says, love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. Uh, It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, etc, etc, etc. See, love is sacrificial. It costs us to love other people. If it doesn't cost us, then is it really love? Uh, Mark last week used a, a quote from John Mark Kerman. Let me read it to you again. Love is the decision of the heart to delight in another soul and to will their good ahead of your own, no matter what the cost to yourself. To love other people, to allow love to be expressed in our lives, demands sacrifice. And that's probably why so many of us shy away from love. Because we know the cost to ourselves. We know the potential cost of people shunning our love. We know the potential cost in terms of our time and our energy and our effort. We know all of these things and that's why sometimes we shun it. We shy away from love. Jesus puts it in an even more powerful way. In John 15, he says, greater love has no on than this that someone lay down his life for a friend. That is love. And of course, Jesus expressed that love for us as he died for us upon the cross. That was the greatest sacrifice. That was an incredible expression of God's love for us. And it was a sacrifice. The third thing that I want to draw out about love is this, that we are called to love everyone without exception. That's not so easy, is it? You know, there are some people that that we naturally just love I may have mentioned it once or twice, but I'm now a granddad. Uh, and uh, my daughter gave birth to twins, Mason and Ila, uh, and I love the bones of them. It's easy to love them. They are both cute. They are kind of my grandkids. Uh, they've got this real kind of sassy way about them. They're lovely. Uh, they are easy to love. Even when they're moaning in the middle of the night and crying and being absolutely ridiculously naughty, It doesn't matter. I still love them. But then there are other people, aren't there, who we just find hard to love. We all have those people. And there are those people who, uh, well, let me put it this way. What is the opposite of love? Most people would say it's hate. And that's probably right, isn't it? But with hate, if you hate someone, you've got something to work with. You understand something about that, the nature of your relationship and you can change that. You can change hate into love. I think the biggest difficulty most of us have when it comes to loving other people, it's not that we hate other people, it's that we are indifferent to other people. I think it's really interesting, isn't it, that in the book of Revelation, when God is talking about our love for him, he says, you know, I'd rather you were hot or cold, but no, you're lukewarm. In other words, you neither love me nor hate me, you are indifferent to me. And that's the hardest thing to deal with, isn't it? Because when we're indifferent to people, it's like they just simply don't exist to us. They are nameless people that we are unconcerned about and yet to be like Jesus is to love everyone regardless whether we know them or not regardless of what they've done to us we are simply to love and to love without measure and to love without constraint to love wholeheartedly and every day we pass people in the street or we We kind of have fleeting um, kind of encounters with people in the shops or whatever. And in those little encounters, we are in some way to express love, to make the choice to love all those people that we come across, whether we know them or not. Jesus said this, you know, He says this, to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And a little bit later on, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. It's easy to love some people. It's harder to love others. But it is in loving those others that is the test of our Christ likeness. That is the test of our love. And we are to grow in that, to grow in our love for all people, regardless of who they are. How do we grow in love? Let me just touch on that for a moment. As Mark said last week, it comes out of uh, that, that strange word, abiding in God living in the presence of God, encountering his love each and every time. The more you encounter the love of God in your life, the more likely it is that you will start to love others. Because don't forget, once you were an enemy of God. That's how it's described in scripture. You chose to be an enemy of God and God still loved you and drew you into his family. He loved you with a passion and brought you back to him. And when you truly understand that, when you truly understand what the gospel is, then it places a responsibility on us to then go and love other people, to then go and love all people. Secondly, we choose to love. Love is a fruit. It grows within us. It grows as we encounter the love of God. But also we choose to love. See, love isn't simply a feeling. Love is always a decision. That's what John Mark says. He says, love is the decision of the heart to delight in another soul. We choose to love people, to act as if we do love them, to treat them as well as we possibly can. That's what love is. It's choosing to love. And I would encourage you thirdly, if you want to grow in love, hang out with those who are the the least like you. Because they're the people we tend to have the most problem with, isn't it? They're the people that we sometimes struggle to love. When, When you love people, it's most likely they are in some way like you. But those people who are different to you, those people whose attitudes you might struggle with, whose choice of lifestyle might be a difficulty to you, hang out with them and make a choice to love them. If you wanna grow in love, you have to exercise it. You have to develop it. And if we are to truly make a difference in this world, it starts with this thing, love, doesn't it? This one thing that we call love. Let's pray. And right now, wherever you are, I want you to simply stop And to sit in the love of God. I want you to encounter that love right now. So just close your eyes. Maybe just open your hands as an act of receiving something. And maybe some of you watching this, you've never really encountered the love of God. I want you to encounter that love now. So just as you are, open yourself up to the potential of experiencing the love of God. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour into the hearts of those watching this all of your love. Overpower them. Overwhelm them with your incredible love. Just sit for a moment. Don't rush. And maybe you sense something within you. Something that's just a bit strange, that's okay. That might just be God at work in you right now. Lord, for all those watching this, expand their experience and expand their knowledge of your love for them. And as they experience your love, I pray that you would help them to grow in their love for others. Let them be a people, Lord God, who change the lives of others, by their love for them, fill us with your love, Lord. And as we sit in the love of God, we're gonna bring before God the needs of the world. And we're gonna pray now, and Jean is gonna lead us in prayer. And as we join in with Jean in praying, let's pray out of that position of love for our world. Love for our town, love for our country, love for those who we find the most unlovable. Let this be the position that we choose to take, to love. And let's pray from that position now.